Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode, one of these years. The one and one episode, I guess we'll say. I was about to say one and oh, Colton, but it's not one and oh. Uh, I am of course Nick Baumgartner along with Colton Pouncey. Uh, after a Lions victory uh, here on a Wednesday, Colton, uh, first of all, how are we doing? Second of all, your thoughts uh, on the first one here. I'm doing good. It's it's Victory Wednesday. I think they kind of, Wednesday. It yeah. kind of... It kind of lasts a little longer <laughs> on here. you got to savor these wins out in Detroit. But, uh, That's right. Doing good, and, and that that game was pretty impressive for the Lions. I mean, it was you know to yeah. shut shut the Commanders out in the first half. Um, the way the offense was moving the ball, they still could have scored more points, and that's the thing that they keep harping about. Like right. the offense isn't where it is, where it needs to be, and yet they're putting up you know 34, 35, you know these mm-hmm. these big chunk chunk uh, scores. And you know I think they're in a good spot right now. It's still early, one and one, but uh, I think they have to like how they uh, performed so far this this year. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into both sides of it, but I mean, yeah, that's the overarching, I think, takeaway from the 30,000-foot view that most people, um, you know, have reacted to. I think, you know, even internally, I think that some people here were like, whoa, what are the Lions doing on offense, right? Because that's now back-to-back weeks, and, you know, as we saw what Philly did, you know, on Monday night, everybody now, if you didn't already know, and, you know, we kind of knew it last week, haven't seen them, that's a really good team. What the Lions did in that game sort of holds up, so you look at what they've done offensively through two weeks and all the different ways they've found to score. And suddenly Ben Johnson's got a little shine to him, right? I, mean, I think that, I think that that's growing. I think it will continue to grow. Uh, I'm not nat- alone in that. Nat- have you seen some of this? Some He's getting some national love for sure. I've, yeah. I've seen it. No I don't know where, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it'll, it's been interesting. Cause I think, you know, Campbell, the whole time in the offseason was like, you know, I, I will probably be involved. I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to be involved. I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to be involved. But then it was like, whenever the time came for him to set, you know, put shine on Ben Johnson or whatever, I always kind of figured, how's that going to go? It's not going to be, well, it's Campbell and. Yeah. And he said it all. He said it right after the game, right? It was like one of the first things he said. I thought Ben called a fantastic game. And that's back to back weeks, like you said, in the 30s. And you probably could have had more. So, mm-hmm. like, that's the biggest takeaway. In general, I think right now about the Lions is that all the things we thought could be possible offensively, even with some of the warts that we've seen, all the things we thought would could be possible offensively with this team, even with injuries and some hiccups, seem like they're still all on the table, which really makes things a little more interesting, I think, when you stretch it out, does it not? I mean, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I don't think we'll be are. back if I am, but like... <laughs> I don't know. Your thoughts just on the offensive progression here through two weeks? Because it's that's been pretty good comparatively. You know, you look across the league this early in the season to be firing like this is pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's so funny thinking back to training camp and we were asking ourselves out there every single day: Is this offense good or is mm-hmm. the secondary bad? And like, what's we going on here? Right. Yeah, we didn't have an answer. Um, you know, they played. They had those joint practices with the Colts, and I was down there and. You know, they held their own, but it also wasn't like, you know, the dominant performances that we had been seeing in right, training camp sure. against the secondary. So I think I had a little bit of pause coming out of that that trip, that two-day stretch. But, I mean, man, to start the season, to see the things that they're doing, to see the way it's coming together, the run game, the different schemes that Ben Johnson is is putting out there with Hank Fraley, the guys that they're, you know, this back of interior that's playing like <laughs> all pros right now. It's crazy. Um, and then Goff, he still hasn't been, you know, entirely sharp. Like he was much better mm-hmm. in the last game, but I still think he has room to improve, and that's good for the Lions that he can still take his game to another level. He's got some room to improve there. Um, because that passing game, what they're doing with Amara St. Brown, uh, the end around, the way they're using him, right. um, you know, Josh Reynolds got involved last week with the touchdown. So they're doing some things where it's really encouraging. And mm-hmm. 
I think when you when you kind of break it down, the offense is kind of the strength of this this team right now, and it might be able to carry them pretty far. We'll see. It's you know, and we'll just start on that side of the ball. We'll start with the offense, and we'll start with Goff because I think that's the best place to go here. And I don't want to overlook the interior offensive line. We'll go to them in a second, but this to me, statistically, it probably wasn't, but this to me felt like his best game um, as a lion, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could maybe argue there were days. I think when they played the Cardinals, he played really well, uh, and they won that game last year. Obviously, he makes the plays uh, late in the first win last year too. But like this, to me, just the vibe and feel of it, and sort of like he answered the bell when they needed him to. Because we talked about that last week. Like it, you know, I think we recorded before they knew that uh, Jonah was going to be out. And nobody knew what they were going to do, but it was still kind of like, well, something's going to have to happen here because it's not going to be good. But bottom yeah. line is, this is going to be a big opportunity to keep the fans on board for another week and keep them, maybe even crank it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be on Jared Goff to get you there. And it has to start right out of the gates. He's got to come out and make something happen. And, you know, Washington helped with a, a coverage <laughs> bust early, but like... He found it, bang, right away, and away we go. And St. Brown told us after the game that he wasn't supposed to get the ball on that play. That was encouraging to hear, too, because that means Goff is seeing the field. He's understanding everything that's going on, and the way they started that game, and he had some misses there early, and they had some hiccups, too, whatever. The way they started that game and asserted themselves was the best I can remember seeing from them in a long time. It just felt like that's a team that... And we talked about it up there. It reminded me a lot of, um, I kept thinking of the scene in Hard Knocks that um, Glenn in front of the team room was talking to the team about, like, all you guys played at places in college, most of you did, where you won a lot of games. Yep. Uh, and you woke up every day that you were there knowing what it took to win a football game. To me, that's what that felt like from Jared Goff on sen- Sunday, and I think that that filtered down you know, through the whole team. Because there was probably some nerves, i got to think, on offense going into that one. And uh, I imagine he settled down quite a bit. Yeah, and I wouldn't have blamed him if he was a little, you know, antsy I be back either, there man. with yeah. the offensive line, oh given the God. way it was. But he looked- <laughs> <laughs> when they said Skipper was going to be the guy, I was like, "What? Like, okay." Uh, that was our right. reaction in practice too. It's like, wait, okay, so yeah. Jonah's not practicing. Frank's out. Like, who's? The- I still thought it was going to be that other guy, uh, Forbes. Forbes, yeah. It's and, like who, who's the left guard yeah. and right. Skipper? You see him at six nine, six ten, whatever he is, just <laughs> banging around is. in there, and you're like, "All right, I guess this is happening." And you know, he gets the start and he does pretty well and they hold up. You know, yeah. pass protection was a little iffy at times, but early was, it struggled and then they, they adjusted. Yes, they adjusted. Know, to be fair, yeah. And, and Goff just, you know, looked comfortable. He was taking what yes. was coming his way. You know, he had a couple misses, like the, the deep pass to Chark off the, the fake right. or the ladder right. or whatever. Um and uh that, that was probably a little bit underthrown, but you know, decent ball. Um yeah. but still four touchdowns around like two fifty yards, um, zero interceptions. Exactly. Um, was in control of the offense the whole way. And again, like that was what you want to see from Jared Goff. Like the first drive was not great, but every drive after that was was pretty solid for him. And um, I think you'll take that from Jared it's Goff. That, yeah, night. it's that urgency that he plays with after he's made mistakes <laughs> oftentimes that you want that he had right when this game started, where it was just like maybe it took – uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm speculating. Maybe it took something for, you know, for him to be like, okay, I don't have Frank. I don't have the two guards. I got to do it today. Like Swift's hurt, right? We, his ankle was, you know, they yeah. limited his carries as we saw or his touches anyway. Um, and uh, frankly, at this time last year, they had gone through similar situations with injuries and things, not to the scale because it's different, but like 
And he didn't step up. He didn't answer the bell. That you know, they got maybe five or six games into the season, and Campbell kept biting his lip, biting his lip, and finally was like, "He needs to do more. Like this is not okay. He, you know, he needs to help us." And then you know, he started to take off. But you know, he's gotten into it earlier this year, and that's why I think for me it was disappointing. And maybe I was too hard on him last week, but it was disappointing to see him start so slow because he had gotten so into it in the off season and it was early in, in the winter we, we, we heard saw all it. this yeah, we, we saw, saw it. it and then so to see it again this week as disappointing as it was last week to me that was super encouraging for that type of bounce back you talk about how's a quarterback respond after he has an interception you know how's he respond after he has a bad game and that maybe he didn't have a bad game in week 1 but he didn't have the game he could have and yeah. this was much more in line with that so Kudos to Jared Goff, because I'm as hard on him, I think, maybe even more so than anybody around here these days. I get yelled <laughs> at by all kinds of people for how bad, and I didn't even realize it was that bad. But either way, that said, really impressive, and I think it changes a lot. The better he plays, obviously, it changes a lot of what maybe this team could do as you look at it going forward. Yeah, they let you have in the comment section of that first They game, always huh? do, but that's fine. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, hey, it's earned. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But no, golf had a great game, and I think that was so encouraging. Everything you said, I agree with. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good to see uh, that sort of stabilize. I think for him because that means that there's a lot of growth. I think happening there. You know, mentally, um, he was a guy that used to let those mistakes sort of linger a lot longer, and this was. We'll see. He's got to do it again. Yeah, go on the road in a tough spot. We'll talk about it in a second. But you know, check number one for Jared Goff. That was a, a really good performance in a win. Uh, we talked about Swift's ankle uh, there for a second, Colton. I know you guys, nobody got quite, you know, the full answer from him on, you know, how bad it was. Nobody's probably ever going to get it. But obviously it was not nothing, <laughs> yeah. right? Because, you know, I think he, he had 10. I don't think he had 15 touches. It was maybe around 10. Was it less than 10 that he had somewhere in there? I think it was like seven. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> that much. He made the most of them, obviously, and Swift's yeah. being Swift. But, like, uh, you know, I think it speaks to probably the whole offense, but also, like, where is where he's at right now as a player is uh this is something. He's he's kind of locked in here at a yeah. level we've really never seen from him. Yeah. I mean, I think reporters, I think it was the either Thursday or Friday that we were in the locker room, uh kind of swarmed around here waiting for an answer like are you going to play? Yeah. He's on his phone, like sneaks out the back. <laughs> he's like I'm busy, I got to go. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, "All right, we'll we'll wait and see for Sunday." Um so when he was out there I figured it would be a little limited for him. They only, I think he, it was seven touches for like 80 something yards total. Um, but <laughs> he made, again, he's making yeah, the most right. of all of his opportunities out there. He had the 50 yard run, another one back to back weeks with one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had the screen pass or whatever, where he's on the ground off the, he catches the tip ball from golf, falls to the ground, gets back up and shakes the entire Washington defense at their cleats yeah. and scores a touchdown. And he said in the locker room, my only mentality on that play was to score. Right. And that's exactly what you want to hear from a guy like DeAndre Swift. That's exactly what Duke Staley wants to hear him say. So I agree. He's locked in. He's in a great place right now. He's Again, he's maximizing every touch. You'd like to see more, but the injury kind of played an issue with that this week. Last week, I think they were kind of easing him in with only 18 touches. But, I mean, if he's healthy, you got to get him up to maybe like 22 per game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and let him work because he's, he's, he's your offense right now. Like, Goff, he's, he's, he's going to do what he does. He's going to find his receivers. But mm-hmm. the things that Swift can do, he can be the center, center fold of this offense right now. Well, you know, I mean, like we talked about it in the summer, and I made the connection for them. I think Campbell had mentioned something about workload, and he'd made the comparison to what the Saints used to do with Kamara in yeah. training camp. And, you know, I 
said the time. I'm like, well, you know, obviously that's a that's a natural comparison, I think, for how they think of football, what they what they come from, uh, in terms of former systems and Swift, it could be that. I think that that's something that they've seen from him and and the the last thing that he has to prove here really, number two things, one would be consistency, but number two would be he has to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy long enough and be durable enough to kind of get through that sort of thing. And so the fact that, yeah, I mean, that's probably, and I don't know how severe the injury was, but I'm just going to guess two years ago he wasn't, wasn't going to play. Hmm. Uh, maybe last year we w- maybe we wouldn't have seen him. Uh, but if it was that severe to a point where it's, you know, he's not practicing for several days and then it's game time and he's still play. i got to say, in the first, his rookie year, he probably would have sat uh, for sure. He missed time with pulled muscles and things like that and little tweaks here and there, stuff that I think Deuce has often talked about and tried to flirt the line of being like, I'm not trying to say he's soft, but like you're a running back. These are things that we're going to have to play through. Like it, your body is going to be in constant disrepair. And Swift came from a program at Georgia where the carriers were very regimented and handled. There was like six guys who were NFL players every year in the backfield. <laughs> yeah. This is different. And what you're seeing and what Colton, you would just describe there is a guy who's getting it now. Like, uh, the the day to day, week to week, the accumulation of everything that you do for this team, you don't have to be necessarily at your elite best to really have an impact like that. And I think that you know seven touches for eighty something yards and, and a crazy ass touchdown mm-hmm. really speaks to that. And now as you go forward, we'll be able to see what what he does to open up everything for everybody else because that yeah. really is what you're getting from DeAndre Swift. And I do think on that on that fifty yard run, if he was one hundred percent, he probably scores on that. Probably would have, yeah. yeah. He had him at the he did end, have and, that, yeah. and that's one where he did. He gave a little juke, yeah. And that's the one that. where you're like, yeah, just go, man. But like, also, again, you're like, well, he is hurt, yeah. So I guess whatever. But then he scores on that one. He didn't look hurt on that one. But <laughs> the touchdown. And you're like, oh my god, like that was. But that's Swift. I mean, it was crazy to watch, but it was also like. Yeah, man, we've seen him do stuff like that. Like, that's not insane. It's not yeah. crazy to, to sort of, like, I think that was Deuce's point for him the whole offseason. was like, it's not crazy for you to dream that you can be a really a star in the league. You Even have the ability to do that. Yeah, I think so. I think we can say that. I think he has star special traits, whatever you want to call it, like a guy that can be a Pro Bowl-type, you know, playmaker that we all think about. When we think about guys in this league who, when you get them in space, all hell breaks loose. He is that. You know, like, I think that that's fair to say. And, you know, the healthier he is and you know, the higher that number gets, especially against good teams, you know, the better the Lions are going to be uh, in shape there. We also saw a little bit of Craig Reynolds, which is good. Uh, good to see for him. And then, you know, I mean, continuation of Williams there as well. The backup offensive line was creating, like, massive. I tweeted that's about where a I was couple going of next. Them. Yeah, yeah right. these massive lanes. <laughs> um, it was Jamal, I think he had a 12 yard run. Pretty uh, early, they too. Part, yeah. They parted the C for him. And then. Literally two plays later, they do the exact same thing for Craig Reynolds, and you're mm-hmm. like, "All right, they can do this." This is working. Yeah. <laughs> this is, so that's where I was going next, and and really, we've talked about Evan Brown a few times on the show. Uh, Skipper got got the attention after the game, and we'll touch on him in a second. And everything, and Logan, obviously, we've talked about, but Evan Brown, uh, we've said, I think, you know, maybe the best backup center in the league, at least in that conversation, a guy that's probably starting caliber, um, and a guy that I. <laughs> Frankly, I think the Lions don't like talking about a lot because I don't think they want people. I don't think they want other teams to know about him. Uh, He is really good, man. Like, he is a lifesaver in so many ways for them. 
Because the ability to not have to worry about center in that scenario, that disastrous, we yeah. lost all three of our interior linemen, <laughs> the, you just didn't have to worry about it. Like, I mean, you have another starting center on your roster in Evan Brown, who, especially in protection, he doesn't give you what Ragnow gives you as a run blocker, and he's never going to be able to do that. Um, but in protection, you don't lose a lot. He knows what he's doing. He holds up. Um you know, he can sort the calls. He's clearly good enough to help two guys who really are still, you know, Stenberg's still learning and Skipper had never done it before. Yeah. I mean, my God, like, Evan Brown did not get a lot of public uh, praise after that game. He really I didn't. Think, I think probably for a reason. I think they're trying to hide him because <laughs> he's really good. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Your thoughts on the interior in general, but specifically Evan, because um, he just gets more and more impressive every time he plays. Yeah, zero sacks, zero QB hits, zero hurries, zero pressures in that game. Uh, I think PFF gave him 84.7 for pass blocking. Pretty um, good. Pretty damn good. And I think you might be onto something there why they didn't mention it. Because they're giving Skipper all this love. You know, Yeah, right. Denver got his praise last week. But yep. Evan's like, hey, guys, don't talk about Evan. Evan chipped in. <laughs> I saw He said that. that he's like, even Evan helped out a little bit. Even like, Evan. A little like, bit. All right, like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> No, yes. I mean that that's the one guy you don't have to worry about on, in the interior. I mean like as soon as they said Frank was out, I was just like, all right, well, next man mm-hmm. up, Evans got Evans got this, you know. Right. That he was a, the the guy I wasn't concerned about. Um and you know, he he kind of proved that true in this game. He had yeah. an excellent game pass protection. Again, rim blocking doesn't give you exactly what Frank gives no, you, but no. still held up. I think his grade was 62.1 he, or something yeah, like that. He's so capable. Right. Very he's capable. not and that's the difference. Like Ragnow's big enough and strong enough. And that's why he's a different dude because he's so big and powerful in there and crazy athletic. Yeah. Like Evan is probably not big enough to be a guard. I think when Campbell had talked about um, the earlier shuffle after Vitae, he was like one of the things they thought about was could Evan Brown play guard? Because if he could, he would be starting because he is your – Trying sixth. to get your best five out there. Yeah. Right. He would be your fifth best guy in that scenario. He's better than uh, than Stenberg's. But, but he's not – a guard. So, you know, necessarily in that offense. Uh, so it's kind of a weird deal, but, you know, kind of a hidden gem that they found because he helped them out a lot last year, too. Uh, it went under the radar big time, but that thing would have really fallen apart if, uh, you know, Goff's best football hadn't really even started yet until it, when Frank got hurt. Like, he was still struggling. And then when Frank got hurt, it was like, oh my God, like, this is never. It's going to be a nightmare the whole rest of the way. And, I mean, to me, Evan Brown was worth a lot more than, uh, yeah, probably what people have given him credit for. Maybe I'm spoiling this for the Lions. Maybe I'm not. But, like, he's been a really good football player for them and a good find and development piece by the front office and Hank Fraley and everybody else involved. Well, I said this to you sometime this offseason, but, like, how were the Lions able to bring him back for so cheap? And also, I don't know. Well, he got a raise. He did get more money. But, yeah, I mean. But, like. He is a starting That is the one thing. Campbell did say that in, I think, training camp. Somewhere in there he was like, we got Evan back, which was like, (laughs) I was thankful for that or something like that. Uh, Maybe I'm overthinking this. I don't think I am, (laughs) though, because, like, I mean, obviously people know about him and they're going to find out about him and, you know, they know how well he played last year. I think he, sure, he had offers or options to go to other places, but I'm not sure if it would have been to start. Maybe it would have been to compete. Yeah. But the ability to maybe, or the chance to work here with Ragnow and other, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know what all plays into it, but he's been I mean, a huge, huge, huge thing for this whole team. 
I might just say Lions fans enjoy them while you have them. Maybe, maybe, yeah. We'll see how long it sticks. Because yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the other part. You know, Campbell got us asked about Ragnow. I know earlier and after the game as well. And um, was it the same toe or foot or whatever it was? Was a toe? Is it the? Yeah, I think it's a toe, right? Foot, whatever foot, it is. Yeah, same thing. But he also had a groin injury um, before the toe, which leads me to believe that if he had one and not the other, that he probably would have played. Probably yep. based on the tone, I'm just trying to. I'm just parsing there, so you don't want. I don't want to like speak in absolutes, but my guess there is that, you know, his foot was probably bothering him plus the groin. If it was just one or the other, he probably would have been okay. But the groin is not going to get better if he plays. It's nah, just going to get worse. He's got so. left heel. Yeah. Right. So I get that. Um, Jonah, I think, was a hand of some sort. Right. It was a finger. Finger. Yeah, and it which, doesn't sound like it's much better based on what Campbell said on Monday. Yeah, uh, which was late in the week too, though, right? Like, yes, when they made that decision, because I think yeah. Skipper Skipper said he didn't know that he was going to play until Thursday. Thursday, they had a talk around the walkthrough. Yeah. yeah, so that's pretty late in the week, and that leads me to believe either that just that it just happened, or Jonah was considering going. I don't know, but like if Camp, it's I would assume he still has to be considered questionable as we go forward here. They haven't. Sent out the thing today, but no. Campbell said on Monday yeah. that I would say I think he said um, the finger wasn't any better than it was on Saturday, and he okay. said that on Monday. So I guess we'll hear more, you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, the rest of this week, but yeah, not great. I mean, it doesn't sound no. like he's getting closer. That might be another game where he has some miss, but we'll monitor the practice reports. We'll talk to Campbell and we'll see what's going on with him. And then the rest of it. I mean, it's the skipper thing that a lot of people, you know, pointed to after the game. You know, a cool moment for him. Obviously, a guy that's played as many twenty contracts. That was a crazy <laughs> that when he said the thing about the twenty contracts and like they're not worth the paper you're written on. You stop and you think, and you're like, man, like that is true. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and he's. Not, I mean, that Dan Skipper represents one in a lot of people who are just like that. Like that's why I think a lot of people sort of saw that and they're like, I know a lot of guys on a lot of teams that are exactly like that. And the coolest part about the whole thing, I think, is that you saw how the roster reacted and you saw that Dan Campbell was able to get that out of a guy who no one has ever been able to get that out of before. To me, that is the whole thing. Yeah. That's that's Dan Campbell. Like, this guy's never played guard. He is 6'10". How many people asked you, is he <laughs> setting the record for the NFL guard height? Because I got asked that like 20 times. Maybe. He could oh. be. I, I don't think about somebody. That, yeah. I got asked that like ten times. I'm like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> because I don't know of any that are taller than that. Never yeah, get, played I'm, it before. I'm getting fewer height height tweets these days. Oh yeah, that's right because you've left <laughs> that Michigan State beat. So never. Yeah, but he's never played it before. Six ten. Yeah. Uh, all this never made a team. Had been cut by this team every time, and lot, they get it out of him. A lot of practice squads. Yeah, they get it out of him because Campbell looks at him and says, "I trust you to go do it," and he goes and does it. Like I'm not asking you to. I'm not asking you to go to be a Pro Bowler. I'm not asking you to go solve an unsolvable riddle. I'm just go in there. I think Skipper actually said, "We'll go in there and see what happens." They've done that at other positions. They've done that at other spots here before, and it has worked. And it works more than it doesn't. I think is what you know. We would go up. Chris and I called guys like that last year, like walk-ons. Jerry Jacobs was like a walk-on. And he's not a walk-on, but like no, the UDFA guys, like the, the practice squad guys, the guys that like they keep around here and everybody's always like, why the hell do they keep those guys? And it's like, well, that's why. Like, when their number is perfect. called. Yeah, they're yeah. not perfect. They have flaws. 
they're, you know, they're probably not going to be able to do that more than one or two times. Like, if you have to ask Skipper to do that, maybe one or two more times is probably not going to go well. But, hey, like, in a spot, you're going to be able to get it out of them. And, like, Campbell, I feel like, has more of that than most coaches that we see. And to me, that might be the clearest example yet because what there weren't chumps in there they were playing against. No. And this is a guy that, you know, has never, you know, that that's impressive. For all three of those guys in there, um, really impressive. And for Decker and Sewell, because I think that that speaks to, you know, the commitment there as well. Um, helping protect the guys next to you, helping make sure that they're better, helping make sure they don't have as many you know, issues, all the things that we heard from the offense uh, on Sunday was exactly what you want, I feel like, in so many so many ways. And we still haven't seen them at their fullest capacity or full strength or whatever you want to say yet. So, yeah, impressive. Impressive job by Hank Fraley yep. getting those guys ready to go. I mean, yeah. we haven't really Can't talked about him, enough. but yeah. the fact that he's got these interior guys playing like starters, like given, again, not Pro Bowl level, but. Well, you know, yeah, hanging in, though, you know, winning football. Winning football. I mean, mm-hmm. Stenberg was out here moving dudes. Skipper had mm-hmm. like a seventy point four run blocking grade. Like he's yeah. like they were holding their own against a pretty good, you know, front. Yeah, good front players forward. in there. Yeah. yeah. And like that's the, they have a good front. That was the one thing that you looked at and you said, Hey, that could be a real problem, especially if those guys are hurt. Really wasn't. Uh and they took control of the game. The the one spot we haven't touched on yet, which is probably the biggest spot coming out of this one, uh receiver and especially Amonara St. Brown, who um I think if you didn't know, if people didn't know Nashville already about this guy, um, they, they do now um, that yeah. this is a true draft steal. We've talked about that all last year. Talked about that on this show, probably since the day he showed up, that this is a professional football player. I told you in the summer, I think, I was like, Colton, when he was standing out there, I was like, this guy is a the definition of a professional athlete. That's too. what, yeah. to me, that's what this guy is. And it's not overwhelming it's not like he got caught three times in this game from behind or whatever. It's going to happen. But this dude is going to get eight or nine for 80 yards almost every game if you're not trying to take it away from him. And even then, he might still find a way. This guy, Campbell said last year at one point, he's worth his weight in gold. Like, I really would agree with him. I think he is a, for the modern game, man, he is really special. And I think that they're starting to see it now. Your thoughts on uh, the sun god here as we go forward? I mean, he's a he's a dude. That's yeah. that's the best way to put it. I mean, <laughs> really I, I and you had kind of told me about it in training camp. And I'm just like, okay, I, I see it a little bit. You see him, but not a lot bit. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You see, but you see the 202 passes every day on the jugs machine. Yes. Like his, his mentality is very like, I'm here to work. <laughs> like, yeah, no, not no bullshit. Too, yeah, yeah, none of that. Not afraid and of anything. He gets on the field and he is fearless out there. And mm-hmm. I think that it's funny though because I think there are some questions like, okay, well. Did his production late in the season only come because Hawkinson was injured, because Swift wasn't yep. there all the time? Like, would his target share go down, stuff like that? And that's proven to be entirely false. Like, he's no. the dude yep. on this team, and it's not even close. Um, yeah. Like, the connection that he has with Jared Goff is really special. He's going to get, like, 12 targets a game. He's going to yep. catch eight or nine of them. Uh, his consistency is unmatched. I mean, he's out here breaking NFL records, and he's 22, <laughs> 22 years old. 22 like, years old. Incredible. Yeah. So, and, I mean, you know, I got to steal. I, yeah, they did. They did. And they did a great job mining that out. And I think that that's one that, you know, when you go back to draft night, Holmes talked about, or draft weekend, whatever it was, that they waited on him. You know, that, that they identified him. They wanted him. He's a perfect fit for everything. that, And he was. The work ethic, everything he was going to be able to do for everybody else around him. And, you know, 
I don't know how much these guys like to give away their secrets and everything else, and maybe it hurt Goff to do it a little bit. But like when he started explaining some of the little nuances of why Amon Ross St. Brown is a different football player, like that is the that's the gold. When he doesn't round off routes, he comes back to the ball instead of like if it's a if it's an out route, a seven yard out route on the opposite hash, like you got to help your quarterback out, right? You can't just say, well, shit, man, throw that thing all the way across the field and <laughs> drop it into a bucket for me, man. Like, yeah. no, you got to be willing to do all of the stuff that the scouts see every single time. And like, there's a reason why this guy looks like he's always open. It's because he works himself open. He yeah. gets open. He, it's not just. Well, they scheme him open. He's faster than everybody. He's not faster than anybody. As we've he seen. got chased down a couple <laughs> he gets times. Chased three times. He gets yeah. chased down. He gets chased down more than he doesn't. He's not faster than everybody. He's not stronger than everybody. But there's a consistency uh, to the way he works in that it's the classic case of he's fast enough, strong enough, agile enough, and he works harder than everybody else by like a, quite a bit. That's his elite trait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that's his like superpower, like or whatever yeah. that they talk about, like. Uh, a, a hard worker in this league isn't working as hard as this dude. Like this is, he's at the high end of, of the people that train. And I, I think it would, a lot of people would look at him and say, it's overtraining. You're overdoing it. Probably. But this is who he is and this is how it works for him. And he is just a machine, man. He's a robot out there. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like as dependable uh, as it gets. And everybody's seeing that at this point now have to, I mean, you'd be blind not to. Yeah. The guys that post themselves working out at 5 a.m., Amon Ross in the gym with his brother and He's his dad at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just in silence. Yeah, he, no he one saying a home, single word. Yeah, he already went home and cleaned up before he even got there and was on to the next one or whatever. Like, yeah. There was a comment he said at one point about somebody asked him about his training in the offseason somewhere in the summer. And he was talking about his schedule, right? Because he was like, you know, I mm-hmm. take like six weeks off or something like that. Yes, that's hilarious. Or whatever. He was like, I take like six weeks. Maybe it wasn't even that long. After the season, and he's like, and I don't do anything. He's like, I just sit there. I just play video games, and I don't do anything. Like, I just be a kid, basically. A lot of FIFA, probably. Yeah, yeah a lot of FIFA. And then he's like, but when, I, when I'm when i done with that, and I go back in the gym, he's like, that's all I do for the rest of the summer. He's like, so I don't half-ass train. If I'm going to train, it's going to be 14 hours a day every day. Yes. And you're like, and you he's explained insane, it. And but... you're like, holy shit. <laughs> it all makes sense. Really good player, and he is... A fantasy football. If you've got him on your fantasy team, folks, uh, what did he have? Colton almost forty points there. Uh, he did in this one. But I think more importantly, the what this leads to for me um, is that when Jamison Williams gets healthy, uh, oh boy, what you're going to have here is Swift, uh, Jamison Williams, and Amon Ross St. Brown in a trio scenario, triplets, uh, if you will, that involves. The ability to basically cut people up at every level of the field, um, yes. in theory. Now we have to see it all happen. We have to see everybody get healthy. But like, I think it's fair for people to start getting a little excited about being able to project some of that, which is really friggin' cool. <laughs> I think for people around here who haven't had anything like that, maybe ever, in terms of three guys that have that type of potential. But that's really cool. You can start to see it now, right? I mean, you can yeah. see what all three, you know, we know what we know about Jamison from college and we have to see it translate and everything else. But my God, I mean, imagine, and we haven't even touched on Hawkinson's impact in that, but like those four weapons, yeah. you can't ask for much more if you're golf. I mean, it's exciting. Or any quarterback, it is. I think you said, was it you who said it up in the, you know, the press box that uh, 
If Jameson were on the end around, he could have walked backwards into the end he, zone. Backwards, yeah. <laughs> Did a yeah. summer. Yeah, I mean, like, and uh, on the on the one that uh, Swift caught in the middle. Or I'm sorry, that um, Saint Brown. Yeah, caught in the middle. Yeah, that Saint Brown caught in the middle of the field that he took off on. Yeah, <laughs> Jameson that's would have dunked that one through the goalpost too. Yeah, like he has the different speed, but the difference there too is like you can't. At some point, teams are going to start to work to take away some of the stuff that St. Brown gets. They're going to, you know, but you can't take away everything. So if you've got a guy that can really blow the top off and a guy like St. Brown that can kill people at all three levels of the field, plus Swift, holy shit. Yeah, Yeah. then it becomes, if your quarterback is really in tune with what's going on, we talked about Ben Johnson earlier and everything that he's sort of the impact he's had on this offense. Like, they're in a really good spot right now. I don't know what all the... um, analytics say in terms of where they rank through two games and some of that is whatever because it's two games we've got a lot of september football going on around out there but like i think you've been able to see through two weeks um especially against an eagles defense that had a hell of a damn night the other day slay with what a night he had yeah um (laughs) but you know hey that's two games big points put up with reason to believe that more could have been had and you look mm-hmm. at the schedule the rest of the way and say that could be replicated. I think you could see more of that, right? I mean, like I'm I don't what, think we're stretching here. What are the next th- we got Minnesota, then Seattle at home, and yeah. then New England? Okay. I think like, that's pretty good, man. That's yeah. now we're talking about <laughs> games that we just said at the top, like the Aaron Glenn scene, like, hey, we, all you guys came from winning programs, y'all won somewhere in your life. Once you start to get that feeling back a little bit, talent's got to be talent, but like now you're starting to get into fights with teams that the gap just isn't that big. I mean, you know, player to player, whatever. They might have a couple more guys here and there than you do, but if you get into a fight in the fourth quarter, you see what happens. Those are the games that this team can steal if they play all the way through the wire. But it's it's been an encouraging two weeks for the offense. I don't I don't know much. You want to get guys healthy, I would say, is the biggest thing, and you want to see how they can fit. But yeah. It's been encouraging for sure, especially, you know, after what we saw in camp and everything else. No doubt. Right. Now we're about gonna, the defense. Yeah, go ahead. Let's pause here. Yeah. And then we'll go talk about the defense because we got to <laughs> pause, take our break, and then we'll come right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we will flip it to the other side. Colt talks some defense here, which is, as usual, a case of good and bad. Maybe a mix of both here, but mostly good, right? I mean, I think, I think we so. can say mostly good. Uh, mostly an encouraging day. Uh, I thought a good performance uh, by Aaron Glenn uh, and the defense. I thought, you know, and Campbell noted on it after the game pretty quickly, but really the thing that you you take away, and we'll talk about Aiden Hutchinson here in a second, but as a team, they finished. We talked about the finishing. They adjusted some of their rush lanes. They played with more discipline. Uh, he gave credit to Todd Walsh and those guys too. They finished up front, and you saw the pressure land. Now Carson Wentz is not Jalen Hurts. We talked about how you're not no, going to have not. to you're not going to have to deal with Jalen Hurts as much. And people saw that he's a little better than they thought. Maybe oh, on yeah. Monday night again, but 
Wentz can still move a little bit, and it was important to see them come out as an entire front seven and finish. I thought that was maybe the biggest takeaway I had, you know, top-down defensively. Yeah, the pursuit, um, they were swarming to the ball. I mean, that was all encouraging. You saw so many guys, like, even even if Wentz kind of avoided the first guy, there was always another guy right there. Right, exactly. Another guy, that guy missed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the type of football Aaron Glenn wants to see from his guys. It wasn't always there. Again, you know, the Eagles offensive line and things Jalen Hurts kind of, the things that he yeah. can do kind of hurt that in week one, but you saw it in week two. And Dan Campbell said, when everyone's talking about Aiden, oh, he had a rough game, like, <laughs> whatever. Dan Campbell said, I'm not worried, but also he needs some help. We need some of these other guys right. to kind of step up too. Yeah. And I think you saw that. Even on every sack he had, it wasn't just him just beating a one one guy and exactly. to, to the quarterback. Yeah. It was pursuit. It was you know Charles Harris with a spin move, forcing once to back up right into Aiden. It was you know, a, a little stunt that, mm-hmm. you know, has Aiden inside and that he got uh, home Kamin- on Kaminsky yeah. taking two guys up front, making that lane for him. It's like he's getting the help from his defense. Exactly. He really didn't see in week one. Um, so I, ha- I have to think Campbell was encouraged by that, too. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole picture, because, again, exactly like no, but the sacks they were creating um, and a lot of the pressures, that, the pressures they're creating are all individual. I feel like, you know, individual pressures, but the sacks they're creating are. Team sacks, like you're saying, yes. Bolton. I mean, like they're 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 results of you know stunts and games that they're calling up front, or you know they had a couple of sim pressures that they brought that got home. Um, so th- it's a result of playing to your help and playing part of a team structure, but also dominating your block when the time calls for it. And that's where I want to start with Aiden uh, and finishing because mm-hmm. look, like last week. We talked on this show, people were overreacting, uh, which is to be expected sometimes and all that. Sure. Um, but at the same time, he did need to finish. There were things in that game and he wore out and all that. For him to come out in this one, and he got the starting a, uh, a lineup announcement this time, right? He got the big, uh, him and, and uh, Rodrigo got the big pops from the crowd. Yep. But yep. this was a big opportunity and a big statement type thing for him against a team that he could get home on. And I thought it was huge for him to finish like that. I mean, three and a, and a half is nuts. But yeah. I thought it was huge for him to come back after hearing all the people say, you know, chirp, 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 and to come out and finish. I mean, you couldn't answer that any better. You really couldn't. I mean, people, people were pretty quiet on Twitter. <laughs> I noticed that after that. So, yeah, uh, good on Aiden for, for getting right home now. on those. Um, you know, three sacks in, the, in one half. I think the three sacks were a Lions a rookie record. record. Yeah, right. Did it in week two. So, that's yeah. – <laughs> that just kind of shows you the type of guy he is. And, again – not all those sacks were like him just dominating. Oh, it was just yeah. yeah. Being there, right place, right time, continuing to pursue, even when you your initial rush doesn't work. Um, the guys around you helping out and doing their jobs and forcing things back your way. I mean, that's it's that simple. I don't know if the Lions really had a guy that could finish the way that Aiden could exactly. last year. Yeah. Where you were you might have been doing some of those things, but at the end of the day, you're still allowing the play to extend. Right. Aiden's the one coming in at the very end being like, No, I got this. I'm cleaning this up. We're getting off the field. And he that's, gets that's all the garbage. See. That's yes. exactly right. It's it's the the one sack that he had. Uh, I think it was the first one was a, just a result of him like running the circle, as they say, yeah. around the edge. You just keep going. Just if yeah. the guy's got you blocked or whatever, just keep going around him because these quarterbacks don't stay stationary in the pocket anymore. If you run the circle, they're going to run out of there and you're going to get something. And that's that was the thing we saw from him in college. Like no junk gets by him. Like no junk. You are not going to get any sloppy freebies around the edge. You're not going to get any sloppy freebies in his, in his gap. You're going to have to root his ass out of there and put him on the ground, which sometimes happens, and we've seen that happen, especially later in games. 
And if there's one thing, there's two parts to that. Uh, Campbell's part about more help. I think they need to continue to get more guys healthy. And we saw Julian out there more. Uh, I don't know if he Aiden played quite as many snaps. I think he was still at 60, though. He was, I think last week he was closer to 70. Um, but that's still a lot. And a lot. he was so good early. And you noticed him start to taper off again. I think he said he got a cramp or Charlie Horse or something, whatever. Charlie Horse, yeah. Yeah, that he was clearly laboring through later in the game. But, like, you know, some of that is being a rookie and him having to play through that also. But, like, it's good and bad because it's like when it all comes together and he does (laughs) – and he can sort of figure out a way to keep the reserves where they need to be and have all that in the fourth quarter, it's going to be a completely different conversation here. From a guy that we're talking about who flashes and has all these – Whatever to a guy who's just a problem the whole game, yeah. Like Abosa is the whole game that you have to scheme against that you don't want to run toward. This is the impact that he's going to have the hidden stuff that people aren't going to see. It's the pressures eventually that he creates for other people. John Kaminsky, the commish, who is a really good football player, and as we're as we're, as we're discovering, the commish is getting one on ones in a lot of cases because he's out there rushing next to Aiden Hutchinson, and they're, mm-hmm. we're not going to. We're going to double him. We're not going to double the commish. So now that's, you know, that's why he's out there to take advantage of that matchup. But that speaks to the greater point of when more guys keep getting healthy, when Romeo gets back, you know, now all of a sudden, if Levi can get himself back in here again, now all of a sudden you can see what Holmes and these guys have been hoping and waiting on, especially with the front four, like this could be really good. And I think that Aiden is, is probably the, number two pick and everything else that everybody looks at. But you look at Ed, the whole picture here, Colton, and it's there's a yeah. lot of guys up here who can play. We haven't even talked about Austin Bryant in that mix either. And he didn't play in this game. so He was inactive, yeah. Right. Harris got it's, a safety. A lot of guys yeah. who can play. It's it's pretty crazy that they're doing all this without Levi, without Paschal. Like, they've got some dudes that Romeo are coming too, back. Yeah. Romeo, too, yeah. I mean, Julian got back in the mix, and I think I was watching the film back. Like he could have had three sacks in this game. That's classic <laughs> Julian. He was in there and missed like seven. Yeah, right. He needs. He's, but hey, right. He's, he's leaving his feet. He's jumping in the air trying <laughs> to you know, tip the pass. Yeah, right. But he, if he just runs forward, he got he gets three yeah, sacks in that tell. game, just like Aiden. Yeah. Or might have taken one or two away from Aiden. Um, right. Yeah. But I mean, it was good to see him back in the mix because he had a pretty good game too. I think PFF graded him pretty high. So um, they've got some dudes along this off this, this defensive line, and they're contributing and. They're swarming the ball and they're playing with this group mentality where everybody eats. Yes. And I think that's that's, that's really perfect. encouraging to see. Yeah, it's perfect. And I think they've got the right mix in there too. Like Charles Harris is so good at that. I think he's a leader in there. Aiden buys into that. Um, I think both the Aquaras buy into that. It's a good it's a good group. Uh, I'm excited for them to see when and hopefully they can all get to that point where they're healthy and everybody can get back out there. Uh, the second part of that whole equation, though, the, the back end of the front seven um, and Malcolm Rodriguez Colton has probably been the most impressive rookie, I guess, on the team, considering where he was picked and everything else. Yeah. Uh, I still, I am not surprised at all by any of this. I still <laughs> thought this guy should have been like a second or third round pick, but whatever, um, he was outstanding again. Anzalone was very good as well. Uh, Lions run defense, as we thought it might be, um, getting better, getting better here, starting to improve and starting to be a little sneaky good, maybe even. Yeah, I, th- I think the... Commanders only had 88 rushing yards in that game. Um, Antonio right. Gibson, 14 carries, 28 yards. He had nothing in the middle. He didn't do anything. Um, yeah. Malcolm was stuffing him every every chance he yeah. got. Um, 
Anzalone had a really good game. I, I think that probably goes unnoticed in this one. But uh, even Chris said that might. Have Chris been. said he thought it was the best game Anzalone's ever played in his life. That is possible. He was he very was good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kelvin <sighs> Shepard said, "Look, no one's running inside of us." Like he said that last week, and <laughs> we were we kind of like paused a little bit. But they came out and they had a game like this That's where they true. didn't have much of anything. So there's some confidence among that linebacker room right now, especially with the way that Malcolm's playing. Anzalone feeds mm-hmm. off of Malcolm. Like those two have a really good connection when they're on the field together. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, is I don't. I'm not ready to call it a strength yet, but Malcolm certainly come in and improve yeah. that thing and stabilize some things for the defense. And when the defensive line is playing like that, it, you know, I think it makes their jobs easier at, at linebacker. So, yeah. I think we're seeing and some I, of that take out take place. I, I think that the impact that Malcolm and Hutchinson have had from an effort and energy standpoint of like there was a pressure that. Or maybe even a, uh, I don't know if it was a sack or a hit or whatever that Rodriguez had uh, in this game. That was the intentional grounding, I think. Yeah, okay. Where he where, yes. <clears throat> where he, like, got probably his path to the quarterback cut off, like, four different times. Yeah. And found a way Circles in Circles back around. And he found a way in there. Right? I mean, he just kept going and kept yeah. rooting through there. And it was like, you're never... No matter what these guys do, they're not stopping this dude. He's going to get in there and do something here. Like that sort of – and Hutchinson does the same thing at the front. I, you can see it trickling down across the board. Nobody gives up on anything. And he, you know, Not that they really did last year, but you can tell that even when guys were getting tired and wearing out, like it really started to leak. And it leaked in this game, but it didn't leak to a point of like destruction. They didn't. The wheels did not fall off. We were all sitting up there waiting for that, right? We were all sitting up there waiting for – Okay, the offense has hit a snag. They're not going to be perfect. This is an NFL game for crying out loud. This is not an SEC team against a MAC team. You're going to have a couple <laughs> punts in this game. Yeah. So the defense is going to have to make some plays. So we're just waiting. Okay, when's the when's the front going to fall apart? When is Washington going to just start running the ball down their throat and take this game over? And they never really did. I mean, the secondary had some issues. Will Harris comes up with the big pick, but the point there is the Lions took away and were physical and did the things they needed to do from a run defense standpoint that whole game. Wire to wire to yep. finish it off, and I thought that was so impressive. Uh, probably the most impressive thing defensively, you know, on the day. And uh, Malcolm may be leading the charge in that. I mean, he's been their best linebacker so far, which is really not bullshit. That's real. I mean, he's been their best inside linebacker through yeah. two weeks, which is something. He's PFF's highest graded run linebacker, uh, run defense linebacker, which is and crazy he got, that he's doing that in week two. <laughs> and he got the second biggest <laughs> ovation of anybody, I would say. Yeah, uh, it was probably Aiden, him, and then Okuda. Yeah, on, I think in that order. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because in Hard Knocks, we heard that he already had the second most requested yeah, jersey. So right. I think we'll see a few more forty fours in Ford Field too. going forward. So. Speaking of Okuda, I don't want to overlook uh, the secondary. Of course, still has a ways to go in a lot of areas. But one thing I wrote down to talk about on the show here was that this is another good day for Jeff Okuda. Yep. Um, another good day in coverage, specifically. And you know, we we know what we know about him as a run support guy and everything else. But another day where he was tested and he answered the – it wasn't perfect, but he, he had some, made some plays on the ball. Uh, based on where he was two years ago to where he is now, it's it's still getting better. Or, or Amani doesn't play in this game. Will Harris has to step up and make plays. And, of course, that probably gets the top billing afterward. But I think it's uh, – Jeff Okuda's confidence, Colton. I mean, it's just – we can see it, right? It's going up. I yeah. mean, it just keeps raising. And that has to feel good for him, I imagine, because he's been – Really solid, which is exactly what he needed to be early in the season here. 
He looks really good. I, you know, he's stacking these good games. Yeah. I think that's important to see. It's not just, you know, a good series here, then you get towards the next one. Right. It's, yeah. He's he's stacking up these these solid games, these solid performances. I bet he was excited for this matchup going against uh, his Ohio State yep. teammate, uh, yep. Terry McLaurin. <laughs> Never uh, short on those in every single game. That for they real. Play. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, but yeah, I thought he looked solid. I think there was yeah. one play where he kind of missed a tackle and it led to, you know, a chunk play for one yes. of those wide receivers. But. Other than that, I mean, I didn't really notice him. I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not, you're not seeing him get burned. You're not seeing him like, there wasn't too many like, oh, he's playing 10 yards off the ball and gives he's up. He's right the there. Yep. Like, he's right there. So, yep. so another he came off with him. the, he came off with the cramps late that I thought I got nervous for him because I thought there was something wrong, like even yeah. more because he like spiked his water bottle off the ground and went into the, into the, I call it the Stafford door, which is like that little side <laughs> locker room door behind the bench. Yeah. Where Stafford used to all like see every time he'd come off the field, it would be like, Oh god, Stafford's injured, he's going back into the Stafford yeah. door. So Okuda went in there and I was like, Oh shit, he's hurt. Like some this is not good. It was a little dramatic, yeah. I thought it was not good. And then he came right back out and put his helmet on you know, it was dramatic. It was him, you know, being dramatic. But he came back in the game and he finished the game. And he played damn near seventy plays, back to back weeks, like you said. Yeah. And like he's dependable. That's what it's felt like through two weeks. Again, I said this last week, but every time he ex- ex- exits the game, because like, he did that last week too, yeah. those cramps yeah, were right. an issue. Yeah, right. Good point. When he leaves a game, you notice that and he's gone. Happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who who filled in for him? Was it uh, Bobby? Yeah, Price came in and something happened in this one. And I feel like Harris came in last time and the whole thing yeah. went to hell. But this time, I th- something happened. But you're right. Yes. It yeah. wasn't as bad this time. Yeah. But you're everyone's saying, "Oh, we got to get Jeff back in here." Imagine people right. saying that even like a month ago. That's, right. like, that's a great development for this Lions mm-hmm. team. He, you know, he's not a perfect cornerback yet, but you know, just to see him performing the way that he is so far, I think yeah, we can start to pencil him in as a player they can keep around. Yeah, I mean, you can start to pencil him in as a solid, dependable corner, and like that's where it needs to start for him, and then like. Talk about everything else every, later, and like the whether yeah. or not he lives up to the number three pick and whatever, blah blah blah. But like, we'll, it has to start somewhere, and that somewhere needs to be like he has to be a dependable player that, like you said, you 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 know that is going to okay, he's going to be here as you go forward, no question about it. Like that's sort of what we feel like now. If we're talking about Jeff Okuda, that's where it has to begin, and it feels like for him as still a really young player, that's where he now has a chance to maybe even get like a fresh restart uh going forward including this week uh one before we wrap up here want to talk about uh the test ahead uh at minnesota of course on the road uh which will be a tough atmosphere minnesota with i thought looked great in week one uh takes a step back and doesn't play as well against philly as the lions did yeah um i don't know i mean your thoughts on on this one the lions have had their troubles uh, with the Vikings for sure, especially Jefferson and this offense in general, and I think everybody can knows why. I mean, uh, the run game is what it is with Cook. It's, it's it's they're built to destroy a team like this, a team that that if you're not stopping the run, it's going to be a long day. And yeah, I mean, your your early thoughts here on, uh, on Minnesota coming in? Oh, I might get a shootout. Might be a lot of fantasy relevant yeah, players. In this game. Of, that's a good point. Could be a fantasy watcher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Watcher. This is a big test for the secondary, right? It's like it is. they handled the commanders. I mean, and at least in the first half, the second half, they were just throwing because they were behind. And right. the, the, the numbers kind of racked up there. But when you're going against Justin Jefferson and that dude, um, he's going to present a challenge for you. And, and Thielen can still play. And oh, yeah. Dalvin Cook's a good back still. And 
again, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I think the Lions will be able to, you know, keep it interesting. I tweeted that last or a couple nights ago, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's a good. De- it's it's going to be tough on the road. I don't think I expect the Vikings to play better. Yeah. at home than they did in that environment in Philly. And obviously the Lions were at home against Philly. So this not is entirely where, the same right. situation, but a good test nonetheless. This is where I really feel like when we talk about like Hutchinson getting help and yeah, getting, you know, not wearing out. Um, this is where you're on the road. Uh, you're going to, you're playing against a team who want, who's going to try to run the ball right at you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, that's how, Frankly, that's, you know, Jefferson doesn't need any help, but that's how they get him, you know, to the video game gaudy numbers where it's like, you have to make decisions with your coverage based on, you know, where am I putting my numbers? Am I giving extra help, you know, over the top on him or are we going to let Delvin Cook just eat our lunch? And so there's always a decision that you sort of have to make when you play the Vikings. And a lot of that gets made easier if your front can hang in there and do what it's supposed to do for the full. This will this will be a bigger test than what they saw uh, against the Eagles. Uh, I, I guess the run for sure, in my opinion, because the de- and then from a downhill in the box, and that includes Malcolm, that includes Anzalone. Uh, Minnesota's offensive line is good enough to do it, and Cook is a beast, as we know. I mean, you know, yeah. we saw what we saw in Week One when they weren't able to to finish plays uh, in the hole. This is this could get a lot worse than that, and plus they've got guys over the top, so. This is a big, big challenge, Colton, like you said, and like for a lot of guys to maybe show, especially on defense, like we've seen flashes. Maybe we need to see. Are you going to show us more? Like we, you know, we were guys on the other side of the ball last year that were at that spot. Like St. Brown and Sewell for the first few weeks showed us flashes, and then they showed us more, and it was like, okay, now yep. now we're talking. Gotta I think that's the that's the next step for a lot of these guys on defense. I would say. I think you're right. Yeah, big game for Malcolm. Uh, yeah. If he's if he's just doing what he's been doing, like yeah. that that already is you know going to help this team. Um, you know, Anzalone's got to keep doing what he like. He had a great game, I thought, on Sunday. If he can do that again, yeah. I think that's that makes your run game a little bit stiffer. Um, so yeah, I guess I don't know. It's an interesting game because that's every team in this division is one and one right now. So it that's is, gonna, and, and get, that's the difference now. Is like as opposed to last year. Now we're talking about a game that matters a yeah. little bit more. We're talking about a game now that against two teams in the division that are one and one. You're on the road. It's going to be rocking and rolling in there as it always is, and like that's going to be the big test for a lot of these younger guys on both sides of the ball, and for Jared Goff, and for the whole team of like you're going to get like this is the first two games were at home. The first game did not go the way you wanted it to. The second game kind of did. It's probably not going to go as easy as you want it to go here on the road. You're going to have to make some things go your way. You're going to have to fight back. You're going to have to get through the adversity just to be able to get into the old deep water that they like to talk about. And, like, that's where the Lions have their best chance is when they're in that strangle you out to the end of the rope and let's see if we can hang it. Like, that's when they had their chance. But in a game like this, they're going to have to sustain those blows early uh, and find a way to hang in there. And that's what, you know, good teams do. So this is another huge test for them. Um, and I think also another opportunity to say like, yeah, like the, 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 not quitting the being competitive, they could be down early in this game. Like I could definitely 14, nothing. I could see something like that happening. And like, yep. are you going to let the wheels fall off? Or are you going to come back and make this a game like every other NFL team does? Yeah. That's the next challenge. I think that, that we're looking at from them. And I think this is a great opportunity coming in. Like you said too, Colton, you know, a Seattle team on the other side of that coming in that you, again, that you could beat. 
If they can so, pull this one off and right. start off two and one. You so now you're looking one. at a situation suddenly here where you don't want to get ahead of yourself. But look, I I don't hate if they wanted to get ahead of themselves. I If I were them, I'd be like, shit, look at this, guys. Here's the deal. Yeah. Go out New, there. New England? After <laughs> yeah. That. And Go then out there the on Sunday team? against a playoff team, which I think Minnesota's got what it takes yeah. to play, you know. I think so. Give it, you know, empty the tank, and we've got two games that against teams that we know we can beat if we play our ball, you know, the way we need to. Then a bye, and then, then a, a Cowboys team that might still be without Dak at that point, October 23rd. Yeah. So Dare to dream, I would dare say. Dare to dream. Doesn't hurt, I would say. Because We're definitely getting ahead of ourselves. But it's more of a manageable situation, <laughs> though, than it's been in the past, yes. and I think that that's fine. But it could all go away in a blank, as we know, on Sunday. It has before in Minneapolis. <laughs> But Colton yeah. will be there, of course, to check it out from uh, beautiful, whatever the hell that stadium is called these days. I don't even know. Uh, it? It's not the Metrodome anymore or whatever else. It's some sort of bank. U.S. Bank. <laughs> yeah. US bank sort of, one of the nicest, maybe the nicest stadium Ev- in the NFL. Um, Everyone says it's the best. So I'm yeah, excited it's for It's a one. really, really cool place. And Minneapolis is awesome, too. So excited for you to see that and everything else. But Colton will be there. And then we'll, of course, be back next week to break it all down. Colton, you good? You got anything else to uh, hit on this week here? No, keep enjoying your, your victory week. Victory we week. stretch this out to victory week now? A couple more days. A couple more days. <laughs> Before it wears off, we'll see if they can do it again. But in any event, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, for Colton, I'm Nick. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon.